Okay, sweet. Um, just trying to think of anything interesting that's happened in the past week in not quite a fortnight. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Overcast Gamer Show. My name is Abe Foster. It is a glorious day here in Auckland. Quite a quite a nice one. I'm joined, as per usual, by Regan Harper, Balthazar Valentine. How's uh, paint me a picture, guys? How's it looking down there? Curtney. <laughs> Curtney. Yeah. Curtney, is it? Yeah. Well, there's just curtains. Um, I'm looking through a gap in the curtains now. Um. No, it's pretty good down here, actually. I, rec- I went to the yeah. supermarket shortly before we started recording, and yeah, the sun was out, people were out, shorts mm. were on. Not me, I don't wear shorts, but people out had <laughs> shorts on. Um, so clearly relatively warm. I had to roll my sleeves up. Nice. Yeah. It's the, it's the sign of a, of a warm day in Wellington, yeah. is that you just... Roll your sleeves you up. You never take your jersey off, you just no. kind of yeah. roll, roll it up and up. pull yeah, the zip down a little bit. Up. <laughs> so do you not own a pair of shorts? Is that real? I, I do own a pair of shorts... I own two pairs of board shorts, oh, yes. and I own one pair of jorts. Jorts. Oh, Jean shorts. Jorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I would pay money to see you in those. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, one, we, maybe we, if you we, just we, cruise up and down Karori. Patreon and put that as a, um, as a, as a stretch goal. I wore Zero them to the dairy the other shorts. day when it was really hot. Like, it was so hot. I wore them and a... Uh, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare T-shirt, and I felt it's <laughs> great. And I felt horrible about myself when I yeah, got back. No, I was so like, well, so that's the image I'm projecting to the public now. Is it a jorts wearing Call of Duty player? No, wow. it's well, it's I so... actually I can speak from the perspective of someone who's actually kind of been outside today. Um, <laughs> I I tried to go for a bike ride this morning, and because I'm training for some some cycling goals that I committed to. Um, nice. and ended up, uh, bursting two tubes. So, um, straight away. No, not straight away, but I, um, like both in the rear tire and got stuck on like down by the dump on Happy Valley Road oh, and man. then changed, put a new tube in cause they had a spare one. Then got all the way back around to like, to Miramar essentially and, and burst it again. So then had to walk from there home and it was pretty <laughs> demoralizing. So, but, well, that, um, that's one hell of a ride, Regan, from Miramar to the dump. That's a long way. That was only like about a third of the distance that I was planning on riding. So, yeah. It, um, just yeah, well, uh, just in reference to the dump, did you? I've heard tell that there's a caravan parked somewhere down Happy Valley Roads that sells hot dogs, uh, referred to as dump dogs by some people. <laughs> that I don't know. Apparently, quite good despite the name. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I have never seen it, but there may well be such a caravan i'm not sure <laughs> check out L- look out for it next time you're yeah uh, yeah you're i will I'll, I'll report back <laughs> I, I ride through there all the time so I'll, I'll go go hunting and report back next podcast very nice very nice well uh balthazar do you want us to tell us what uh what, you know what's happened in the last week and a bit in regards to your life man uh actually i mean i don't i don't go too much into too many things because you know 
there's a lot of stuff that happens in life and not all of it is relevant or needing to be brought up on a podcast. Um, yeah, but I've had a pretty phenomenal fortnight just in all aspects of life, really. Um, this fortnight feels like it's been one in which to get boring for a gaming podcast, I've just achieved a lot of life goals and made a lot of progress towards a lot of career goals. Um, nice. So I've had a pretty phenomenal fortnight and that has then kind of almost reflected back onto the gaming aspect as well, where, you know, if you have a good day and you're in a good mood when you get home, you just your mood gets even better because now you're free and can now do you whatever you want kind of thing. Some um, video games. So yeah, I've it. just, I've gotten a lot of, I'm so close to getting a platinum trophy. Like that's, you know, I'm not a platinum hunter, but my weeks, my fortnight's been going so well. <laughs> I almost got a platinum <laughs> trophy. Um, you know, I've just, yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, what do you, what, what's there then? Dark Souls 3. Ugh. I'm missing two trophies. And I can feasibly get them both in probably another two hours of play. Nice. So yeah. I will platinum Dark Souls 3. It will happen. Good job. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm the same yeah. with Horizon Zero Dawn. I've got like two trophies to get. I don't know what I need to do for them, but mm. it's like, yeah, it's just there. I'll get it soon. Yeah. At some stage. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, but yeah, yeah I am. Um... It's probably the most upbeat I've ever heard you, Belzer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it, well, you know, what, one of the things I will talk about, because this is pretty funny. This isn't, you know, it's something that's gone well, but it's certainly a mood elevator. Is I, I hate fucking kids. Like, I hate kids. They, <laughs> I, I, I'm I with a, you on that. <laughs> I had a friend, uh, a while, like back when we were in high school, um, who on the on the bus, whenever the kind of younger kids were getting too rowdy, it, we'd always be sitting at the back, and he was just hearing pipe up in the back, going "fucking kids," and then they'd all suddenly just go silent. <laughs> like the bus would go. Silent. It was brilliant. But um, I've always like you know, even though you are one, you know. I was the eight-year-old who hated five-year-olds kind of thing. You know, the 10-year-old who hated eight-year-olds, 15-year-old who hated 12-year-olds. Like, it's just always, just as, soon as, it, yeah, yeah. as soon as I'm past yeah. an age group, I'm like, oh, they're insufferable. Um, Old man since birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Friday, the Friday just gone, a, a new set of uh, Magic the Gathering came out um, called Amonkhet. Um, and I went and picked myself up a booster box. And I went down at lunchtime, and their Pulsar Max, our local card dealership had uh, not had their they hadn't had their stock arrived yet for it so i was like okay when you you know when you're expecting it in and the guy was like i'll come back three o'clock onwards we'll probably get it between three and four so if you can wait till four and i was like perfect my shift finishes at four um at work i'll swing by after work so i went by again after work and sure enough the supply had arrived and the store was packed um there was the queue was almost going out the door uh, it was ridiculous. It was old people, young people. Like it was just. It was in, apparently the set had been anticipated for a long time. Is going to be a very powerful set. Um, sure. So everyone wanted in on it day one, kind of thing. Um, and I was like, shit, this queue's too big. Maybe I'll just. Maybe I won't grab it today. Maybe I'll just go home and save myself some money. Um, but the guy at the counter sees me from the uh, through the door and goes, Oh, come in. Come to the front. Uh, and the front of the queue was a bunch of kids. I'd say they're probably 12 to 15 awesome. who apparently have been waiting there for upwards of an hour kind of thing <laughs> for the stock to arrive at the, <laughs> at the till waiting. And this guy just calls me to the front straight away. And they're like, what? We've been here for hours. Where are our cousins? And he's like, he's like, no, no, this is, my man's been here. He, he was here before any of you. And they're like, no, he just got here. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, no, no, he, he uh, no, he comes right. He came in earlier. He came he in and reserved his place at the front. Grin. Yeah, at the front of the line <laughs> yeah. earlier when he came in to ask if we had stock left. And I was like, sweet. I didn't know I was reserving my place at the front. But, you know, absolutely. If I can push these kids aside and be like, nah, give me my cards and their cards. 
and then awesome. Should, yeah, should have really just rubbed it in and bought <laughs> yeah. every card they yeah. had for that. So, so how much do you have? I'll buy your whole stock. <laughs> what is it they want to buy? How many of those do you have? Give them all to me. Um, but yeah, it was just like the end of a for an already pretty much perfect fortnight was then I also got to shit all over a bunch of kids. It was just ah, oh, it was brilliant. So good. It was almost like my reward for working hard this week and doing nice. a good job in a lot of ways. It was like, here you go. You can piss off some children to go home at the end of the week. <laughs> oh, it's so oh, good, man. man. Get, get, you got your own VIP line. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, the, the only thing I, I've noted that I can I can really um, think to bring up is, uh, and I mentioned this on our most recent stream of uh, Outlast 2, uh, which was on Friday, and you can find on youtube.com forward slash Gamer. Uh, I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2 a couple of days ago, a few days ago. Um, really good movie. I won't say much about it because people obviously want to go and it's still a very new movie and people want to go in uh, unspoiled. I liked it more than the first one, I will say. From what I can remember, I haven't seen the first one in quite a while, uh, but I really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy 2. The more interesting thing was how long it took to get there. Um, so I'll paint you a picture. I, I work in West Auckland, sort of northwest Auckland, I guess, in the Rodney district. It's not even in Auckland, technically. It's in Rodney. Um, and I, I, we had to go... The, the movie was at 6pm. We finished work at 5, so we had to head off pretty much immediately to deal with traffic. Um, I got about, I'd say, about a kilometre before traffic started backing up. And it was, you know, half an hour to go before the movie. I was like, oh, no, this isn't good. It took, it took I would say, over an hour to get to the movie theater uh it was it was insane i can't this is the my first experience of rush hour auckland traffic because i don't i don't have the, the way where i live and where i work i don't have, actually have to go onto the motorway mm. so this was my first experience of, of you know going back into into auckland at, at peak hour and it was horrific um <laughs> not not so much like it wasn't you know people getting angry or anything like that it was just it was just so tedious and, and so you on, boring you on your motorbike yeah, on my motorbike. Yeah, so you know you're, you're balancing the revs and the clutch and moving forward about five centimeters every ten seconds, and it's just bollocks. Yeah. Um. The 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 other bad thing is I'm not particularly I, I'm not too familiar with Auckland just yet because I don't go on the motorway. I don't really know the the particular route. So I was following uh, my flatmates in their car, so I couldn't lane split and you know go and get through all this traffic because I needed to know where I was going. Yeah. So I, I had to I had to stay behind them and, and essentially act like a car. Um, and yeah, it was, it was brutal. Away. There was one point where I started, I, I felt like I need, I might need to go for a leak and just like pull off to the side of the motorway and just go because I couldn't do anything about it. It's, it's really bad. You feel claustrophobic. You're stuck in the middle of hundreds and hundreds of cars. And, and people do this every day. People yeah. People stay, people themselves to that. The average time spent in traffic in Auckland is two hours, apparently a day. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's insane. Right. I'd go, hey, so I'm surprised there haven't been, like, you know, people on murderous rampages every every Tuesday or something. It's just ridiculous. That is, um, yeah, that's awful. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry so, to hear you, you had to go through that. But at least yeah, you no, made a nice movie at the end of it, you know? It was, it was a great, yeah, it was a great film. And I got to miss all the trailers, which I'm always stoked about because trailers ruin movies. So uh, it was, it was, I was happy to, to get there late and miss all the ads and all the trailers. So it actually ended up really well. Nice, yeah. yeah. We um, Casey and I went to see uh, the Batman Lego film last night. Oh, nice! Um, I've heard that's very good. It yeah. was great. Yeah, the first kind of like third of it was was hilarious. Like where it was kind of, 
you know introducing the the characters not that you really need introducing to the characters but um yeah the way that they kind of played and made batman quite humorous was 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 pretty good like you know he goes out and he saves the day and then he goes back to the Batcave and like and he just has like lobster made for him and he just microwaves it because he's been out and he's been busy and he's just lonely <laughs> like it's yeah it's it's really good um if anyone's thinking about going and seeing it yeah i'd i'd recommend it with awesome. uh, some some lols in there for sure very good would have you seen the lego movie regan uh i want to say i have but I don't, it was, yeah, like ages ago when it first came out, I don't really remember too much about it. Um, oh, okay. I was, yeah. I was going to ask how it compares to that because I, I absolutely adored the Lego movie. I think it was my favorite film mm. of 2015, I think it came out. It was a like great that. movie. Yeah. Do you think it makes, <laughs> makes me by default a pessimist when I try to remember that song that was, you know, the song from the Lego movie to say yeah, the line of Regan, see if he's seen it. And instead of everything is awesome, I misremember it as everything is awful. Do you think that makes <laughs> me a bad person? <laughs> well, it's interesting because that song is used really in a really smart way as well because, you know, the whole movie's about being a non-conformist and stuff mm. and the everything is awesome is just everyone putting up their blinders and just and just being, you know, afraid to, to see what, what reality truly is and, and being afraid to, to, you know, go away from the pack and do your own thing kind of thing. So the, the everything is awesome is kind of a conformity theme song. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it's used in a, in a really smart, intelligent way. Yeah. I think that's the cool thing about those films is that the, the humor is like, there's enough there for kids to love. It, it, there's all, it's that, that classic thing that like Shrek does really well. There's layers to the humor and things like that. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't think so? I was just laughing cause you can't, it's almost impossible when talking about Shrek in a way that you're trying to say the film is intelligent to not use its own layers analogy when describing it. <laughs> yeah, like, the, I was waiting onion. for it, and when the you onion. popped it, I laughed. I'll stay quiet about like, it. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> I was, yeah, mm, I could have, but yeah. The, the, the directors of the Lego movie did uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, which are both excellent, excellent films. I would recommend uh, anyone to see, see both of those. But enough about movies. Uh, we're here to talk about video games. What have you guys been playing, starting with you, Balthazar? Uh, well, obviously, still a lot of Dark Souls 3, since I've almost yep. platinumed it. Um, I finished my, what, new game plus, 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 plus? I don't know. How new game insert, plus, plus, plus. Insert however many pluses for however many runs I've done now and, and stuff. Um, and I got one more, like, partial run ahead of me for the platinum, but then I'm actually so like having so much fun with that, I'm probably going to create a new character when I platinum it to do low-level PvP. Um and just keep him as a low-level character, but trade across all my, like, plus 5 and plus 10 weapons so that I can just <laughs> stomp everything. Um, <laughs> to take all the challenge out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, it's PvP. It's the, the challenge is just how bad can you make this person's life? Like, just how much of their time... <laughs> just laying waste, waste to their existence. Like, how, 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 yeah, how long can you sit in their world watching them make progress, waiting until the prime time to jump in where they're going to have to do all that progress again because yeah. they've just lost everything. I mean, it's like that, that video that you sent us where you literally sat in a box <laughs> for 10 minutes at, like just uh, before a checkpoint and waited for this guy to run across the bridge and then yeah. just jump out and cleave him in yeah. two, into two. Yeah. Like, it's, I've done that multiple times yeah. now. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I, my favorite at the moment is using a miracle called Wrath of the Gods, which just knocks people over. And I will hide myself as a box or something uh, on a thin pathway. So as they go to run past, I cast it and just 
bop them off the edge and they just fall <laughs> off the cliff. <laughs> um, the first Rodara of Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, aside from that, because there's not really much to talk about there other than I will bring it up again when I get the Platinum just to announce I've achieved another Platinum. Um, like my third one or something. Uh, but I've been playing, obviously, Outlast 2. We streamed that. Um, I've made some progress since the stream. Not <laughs> a lot because, actually, no, quite, quite a fair amount, but... I always hit a bit of a standstill whenever we get to bits, if you recall, where we stopped on the stream where I was trying to push that fucking cart with the the dick-chopping-off bitch um, oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to get me. And I reached whenever I reach a point with her in, it becomes a standstill for a while because because of my natural adoptive face the floor or the wall and just crouch and hope they go away, mm-hmm. and she doesn't go away. So I'm at another point with her in. But other than that, Mario Kart 8 came out on cool. Friday as well. Um, so not a lot of time to play it, but enough time to report it's as wanky a term as it is. It's the definitive Mario Kart 8. Um, <laughs> right, right. So this is Mario Kart 8 uh, Deluxe for yeah, the Switch. Yeah, so it's, you know, did you love Mario Kart 8, but we're just a little miffed it was 720p? Cool, now it's 1080, but still maintains it's 60 FPS. Has a few new characters and tracks that weren't in the original, even if you got all the DLC. Um, and just Does it still have the Mercedes-Benz? Uh, I don't know. I don't have it. Um, so I'm not sure if I have to unlock it or anything. I don't have it yet. Um, and yeah, the on I played some online. Because I was like, man, how shit am I at Mario Kart 8? I came third in my race. <laughs> nice. So not that bad. Yeah, not bad. Um, but yeah, it's just good to see that since Nintendo's fairly infamous for terrible network stuff, um, that at least with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the network features work fine. I could jump into a race pretty much straight away. The race was good no issues with it you know it maintained the 60 fps kind of thing the whole way through so connectivity Mm. wasn't an issue at any point through the race um yeah no solid solid re-release of mario kart cool also the perfect game for the switch it is yeah um actually kyle um tried out the four-player local multiplayer on the switch screen rather than a tv just to see how much screen realty each person would have (laughs) uh he said you'd just have to be really desperate like really desperate for some (laughs) four-player mario kart to use it because it's just it's far too small like you could do it but it's not a particularly pleasant experience yeah Um, because you'd have like literally like two and a half centimeters wide worth of screen (laughs) yeah and that would be dead a lot of that's dedicated to your your power-ups and yeah your position in the race and everything like that all that screen clutter Flashbacks yeah. to my childhood where I used to play on a 14-inch CRT. Nice. <laughs> Four player on the, with the multi-tap, time splitters, time splitters too. Yeah, pretty brutal. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, no, that's me. Mario Kart's great. Outlast 2's freaky. Scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Dark Souls 3's just as good as it was a year ago when I started playing it. Mm-hmm. I, I actually super tempted to rebuy it on PC just to get, again, the 60 FPS yeah. you know, and everything, um, but not sure. Yeah. It's 130 bucks because they just re-released it on PC with all the DLC, so you can't really know, get it on the cheap 130 anymore. 130 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Steam, you know, <laughs> Monopoly. It's yeah, totally tough. Um, but yeah, no, that's been me. Cool. Good stuff. Good stuff, Regan. Um, what are you up to, man? Uh, well, I'm still playing Zelda, and because it's just kind of, it's an amazing game in that like you can kind of sit down and play it for five hours, or you can play it for half an hour, and both are right. still enjoyable. Um, so yeah, still playing Zelda, nearly got all the Divine Beasts, so like, Mm. I don't even know if that's far through at all, but, um, just, you know, having fun with it. Um, and that kind of is what it is. 
Um, but yesterday I bought, uh, well, I, I guess you could say I pre-ordered the Fractured Butt Hole. Um, and but whenever that's going to come out. Whenever that's going to come out, yeah. I, I now own it. Um, but as part of that on Steam, you also get to download straight away the Stick of Truth. So um, yes. I started playing that yesterday, and it was a freaking delight. I played it for oh, probably... It's so good, man. I think Balthazar, it was mine and your favorite game of that year, right? Yeah, that year it was definitely up there. 20... Um I want to say it was the game of the year unless it was the same year Shadow of Mordor came out, in which case that was my game of the year. No, that, that was, was 2014. Oh, I think yeah, it was, it was the year easily after. way up there. Yeah, um, I love that game. Best how, and best how are you finding it, Regan? What do you what do you reckon? What are your thoughts, man? Uh, I'm only a little way into it, but like I didn't like I knew it was it was touted as a really good game, but I didn't really know much about the mechanics of it and how it was done. And I was like, how the yeah. fuck are you gonna like? move about in this like, 2D world that is South Park kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like I was kind of quite surprised to see that it's like the full-on kind of fantasy RPG type um, setup. Uh, and, and it's just one of those classic sort of things that South Park does so well is coming up with a ridiculous sort of setting like that and then just making it super plausible by just being kids playing a game sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but the, I mean, the humor so far is great uh like for example the the i'm I haven't again haven't got very far but uh like at the start of the game you have to go out and find um the like the the you know the the best warriors on from mm. the, the village or the city or whatever you want to call it yeah and um, the neighborhood kind of thing yeah and one of them is like is uh tweak or yeah. tweak and you've got to like go to the crack house and and and, <laughs> and pick up their shipment so they can you know tweak can get off work things like that like it's just yeah it's 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 great um you know it's you really good I, I remember it being i was blown away by that game because it was legitimately funny and that's so rare for a video game i think mm. you know there's video games stay away from comedy for good reason i think the last game i played before that that tried to be funny was borderlands which i absolutely abhor um <laughs> you know, the, the humor in that game is unbelievably terrible uh that and um battleborn you know same gearbox kind of thing but south park was i was laughing from like the get-go i was just yeah. like this is the best south long south park episode they've done in years and years awesome yeah it was it was it's great like even the fact that you can just take a poop and then you can grab out of the toilet uh, <laughs> a nugget of shit that you yeah. can then throw at kids to gross them out like yeah. oh it's it's genius yeah it's, it's great have you been raiding um people's drawers you know bedside drawers and things like that as oh, well yeah yeah absolutely and, and nice. like stealing condoms and like, yep. different size yep. condoms as well like you can yeah. get like the jumbo ones and also like the tiny <laughs> you know i can't oh, remember what man. they call them but tiny little packs of condoms and things yeah it's it's great um that's that's uh what do they call that in, in skyrim environmental storytelling yeah yeah, that's, yeah that's, definitely that's, that's that um but just on a on a humorous level it's um, yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to spending a bunch more time with that um and are, are you a, are you a big south park fan of the show you know of the show rig uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't say so no so um i mean i've seen a few episodes but it's yep. like i'm just not great with tv like i find it mm. difficult to sit down and and watch t like just episodes of stuff like it's just right yeah um unless it's like super compelling like um uh like game of thrones or something like that i just i'm just right not, like not, a big serial kind yeah, of thing yeah yeah just not great with tv so um it's never been like i've yeah seen a few episodes I'm definitely the same that south park has always been like 
the recent seasons because they i mean it's always been an intelligent show um yeah but the recent seasons obviously being or, or being at an age where i'm aware of current events and then seeing the episodes you know portraying those current events in such a you know unique yet they're just saying what everyone's thinking kind of light um it was it's it's definitely become a mainstay for me like mm. i i'm like you i can't really watch like i don't hang on to tv much um the way i stick with south park i don't know if it's an option for you to do as well don't know what your bedroom is like um but i uh, grab <laughs> episodes as they come out um yeah. and then just whenever i have an evening where i just feel like lying down i'll just go lie in bed and watch them all on the laptop in bed nice um because yeah. that way i'm still keeping up to date with it all but it's not like a tv show commitment it's yeah. just like a if i have an evening where i really just want to chill in bed i can be like sweet i've got something to do i've got like five ep- new episodes of yeah. south park or and whatever. i suppose it's not the kind of thing where you have to go back to the beginning and watch it mm. from you know i don't have to watch yeah. all like tw- 20 million seasons or whatever it is that no they've done. no um, no i think you could generally just pick it up um but yeah so I, w- I wouldn't say i'm a huge fan but i have enjoyed the episodes that i've watched so um yeah maybe I stuff, do man. To, yeah but um i'll keep you guys posted on that i i'm i'm pumped to yeah to, to get through the whole thing um but that's kind of it for me um how about you abe what's been going on i've been uh oh actually before we move on i'll just say regan if you want to watch an episode of south park I would recommend one about Magic the Gathering, which is one of my favorites in the last like five years. It's called Cock Magic. It's <laughs> it's it's incredible. And I don't know much about Magic Magic the Gathering, but I could get the gist of, of what was going on yeah, and how it, they were skewering it. It's a really good check it out. As someone who does play, yes, it is a very accurate interpretation of the Magic the Gathering scene. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, what I've been playing, I have been playing not too much until yesterday in which I binged uh, quite a, a couple of things in a row. Um, so I picked up What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, which came out in the last week. Nice. This is a, another sort of walking sim game from the uh, developer Giant Sparrow, who did um, The Unfinished Swan was their last last project. Mm. A game which I was sort of uh, was hot and cold on, and then it got to the end, and I was like, oh, that's actually a pretty cool way of telling that story. Once, once you, you know realize what what it's been about kind of thing that was the one um, where you throw ink what remains yeah. of either finch is is that plus plus more it, it's a it's a lot better game it's a lot more cohesive uh it's only about four hours long so it's probably about the same length as as the unfinished swan it's just sort of um it's a mystery walking sim kind of thing where you you essentially go into people's diaries or, or these books and learn more about their lives and how they perished um through playing as them and it's it's quite fantastical. There's there's bits where you you become a shark or you become a um an owl or something like that. And it, so it seems like a lot of it's the old unreliable narrator thing. Like obviously this didn't happen, but it's there's a lot of symbolism and you're sort of drawing out how these people actually died. Um, there's some really really interesting gameplay moments in this game. One which brings to mind, which I'll try not to spoil too much, but it essentially involves multitasking. Uh, where you're working a menial job and in this sort of fantasy realm at the same time and you you have to use both analog sticks to sort of control both things at the same time um you know it's someone kind of escaping into their own mind because they work such a shitty job which we can all somewhat relate to uh and it's yeah it's i, I found it really remarkable eh? like sections like that I've, I've never seen anything like that in a video game really um, so I was really, really digging this game. And yeah, I, I smashed it out in like an afternoon. It's easy enough to do that. 
And I think I got most of the achievements as well, just by, you know, I'm not an achievement hunter at all. I just played the game through. So it's um it's good for that sort of thing as well. So definitely check out What Remains of Edith Finch. I would, um, I would highly recommend that. The other thing I've been playing, I've been praying, I was going to say, is the Prey demo, uh, which came out. <laughs> oh, in... man. Good, good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Regan. Uh, came out in the last couple of days. I didn't actually know this was available until someone um, someone posted on Reddit and said, hey, check out the Prey demo. It's really good. So I downloaded it, and it is really good. It's it's really interesting. It's the Beth- Bethesda published game uh, developed by Arcane, who did Dishonored. Um, it's got a really interesting sort of art style. It sort of looks a little bit like Dishonored, but yeah, I did wonder if it, if it was from the same developers because yeah, yeah. Just the, the things that I've seen, I was like, mm, this, this this feels familiar. Um, so yeah, it totally makes sense. the The setting is um, is probably what sets it apart from Dishonored. Dishonored is sort of that old uh, Victorian kind of era where the the plague's going on and all all that sort of thing. Not really my cup of tea that historical pieces uh, in particular i i like the sci-fi and, and futuristic kind of stuff and that's exactly what prey is it's in 2032 i think it's set and so not too far in the future um but you're you're, you're a dude who works for a you know he's his first day at, at this corporation and you learn of some pretty dastardly things that are going on and i won't spoil anymore because what unfolds is pretty damn cool and it reminds me of um things like groundhog day or uh, has a very, very, you know, we, we speculated on this before we'd, um, before we'd played it or seen much gameplay. It has a very Bioshock feel to it, for sure. Mm. It also reminds me of something I'll talk about later on, which is Portal 2. The opening is very, very similar to Portal 2, which I thought was awesome because that game is, is wonderful. Uh, but yeah, you get to play the first hour in the demo, which is pretty generous of them. Mm. Um, and it's not sort of a hey, you played an hour, I'm going to cut you off. It's a you can't. You get to a certain point where you need to unlock a door, um, and it literally says on the door lock, you can't play this part. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. And but you still get to roam around and and still you know check out the game and and have a look at it and stuff like that. Mm. That sounds um, great. I might even yeah, might even download that when I get home. Why it's, not? It's pretty good, although Regan, you you had feared as much. There is a lot of jump scares. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's kind of what, um, I was, what I was thinking. Just from watching a li- like like honestly, twenty seconds of one of the gameplay trailers, just like yeah, yeah. And once I heard you guys explain the premise, and I was like, yeah, it feels to me like it's just going to be full of cheap like, you know, desk products turning into enemies, which just. <laughs> Oh, it doesn't sound there, great. You know, I'm not going to lie. There is a lot of that. Um, it's kind of cool though. When you go into a room, you'll for the for, you know if you're paying attention, you'll see something move or something knock over, and you'll be like, "Oh, I've got you now." And if you if you sneak up, you know, on it and smack it with your wrench, which is your main weapon at the start, um, you can get the get the drop on on the mimics, uh, which are which are the sort of alien things that take the form of everyday objects. So I, I kind of like that going into a room and seeing just like a chandelier swing a little bit. And you're like, ah, uh, you sneaky bastards. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite good. But then if you don't take notice, yeah, you will get a uh, a bit of a fright with a mimic jumping into your face. Um, so not <laughs> not the greatest of, uh, of things. But no, very interesting game. It comes out in May. So like, I think it's like 26th or something like that. So not too far away. So I'm, I'm, I think I might pick that one up. So cool. uh, it sold me the demo. Mm, nice. But yeah, that's me. That's been me for the last week and a bit. Uh, we'll move on to the segment which we started last week, 
which I called Pitch Me a Dream. Now, Regan, do you want to um, do you want to fill us in, remind us of what the game you you got was uh, last week? Absolutely. So, Pitch Me a Dream is where we use a random video game name generator to generate a video game name, and then basically one of us has to take that video game name and try and pitch it to uh, to the other two who are going to act as representatives from uh, some popular game companies. And the game title that I have got is Heavy Metal STD Polo. Uh, which <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> seems random, but uh, we're going to give it a shot. So, Balthazar, you uh, you were Capcom. I'm Bandai Namco. Ban- oh, ban- You've ban- just lost some money there already. And Abe, you were... Ubisoft. I-, I was Ubisoft, I believe. Eve Guillermo from, uh, from Ubisoft, yeah. Right, well, um, thank you both for being here today. I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, sit down and and, um, and I think this is a huge opportunity for, for me and uh, for the game that I've been building. Um, I think you'll be really excited by this. Um, now, I want to start off with a quick question for you both. Uh, what's the greatest sport known to man? You're thinking polo, aren't you? You are thinking polo. Um, I can see it in your eye. Uh What's not to love about polo? Horses, men, coming together in, in a glorious game that we now uh, we now celebrate as polo. And what is your greatest fear? I can see that as well. <laughs> You're thinking a sexually transmitted disease. And what if these two things came together in harmony to create a gaming experience that was just the greatest pinnacle of, of games ever? Well, this is it. This is Heavy Metal STD Polo. This game is a side-scrolling roguelike, uh, and as you come into combat with your enemies, turn-based polo matches begin. Uh, all of the weapons and the collectibles are based on various STDs with, uh, with things like uh, buffs and debuffs depending on kind of your, uh, your, your, your weapons that you have and your uh, equipment and the way that they can kind of respond to those various STDs. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to kind of show you what we have on offer today. Um, how does that sound? Uh, yeah, very good. Uh, you no, know, I just have one question for you, Regan. Uh, at Ubisoft, it's all about the open world. So we need we need the open world aspect. We need to be able to put up uh, a vertical space, uh, <laughs> many many vertical vertical uh, objects for a player to climb. Is this possible? Uh, I'm sure that we could. I'm sure that we could work those in. I mean, um, I, I mean, we're we're looking at currently side-scrolling levels, but uh, there is the potential for verticality in our polo scenes i think um i'll need to have a think about that uh because we did want to steer clear of towers is that is are you wanting us to put towers in the game uh, not necessarily uh, <laughs> towers vertical spires maybe <laughs> okay well, uh let me have a think about that um and i'm sure we can work that in somewhere into the game uh namco any any thoughts any questions I didn't know we were doing voices, so <laughs> hold on to your hats, gentlemen. Uh, uh, what is uh, what is multiplayer? Multiplayer. <laughs> what is multiplayer? If you want to play multiplayer in heavy metal STD polo, you can. 
Um, we'll be opening up servers on the day of release uh, where there is PV- PvP uh, polo oh. games that can be played. Uh, so we're looking to, to introduce multiplayer right on the day of release. Um, at the moment, we're not quite sure whether this is going to be a paid service or not. Um, but, you know, if you guys are willing to look at that, then we're happy to kind of incorporate uh, some multiplayer. And we know that your uh, your player base absolutely loves a bit of online PvP. Mm. Very happy with our uh, PvP. <laughs> Very happy. Good. Thank you. Uh, uh, Regan, uh, just talking uh, Uplay. Uh, Uplay, you know, Ubisoft, a uh, very good platform. Unacceptable! <laughs> Bandai we, Namco we need... will not be associated with Uplay. We, we need chess. We need chess. We need uh, specific Uplay int- integration. We, you, do, you have, do you have micro transaction room for more money? Uh, I think we can also work that in. So as I mentioned, we're going to have various weapons, collectibles, and armor sets based on uh, various STDs. So I think we could probably uh, look at some microtransactions based on um, probably some of the the worst STDs um, out there. Uh, you can you can probably figure out what those will be. Um, but we figure those should be premium content. Um, and I think that would really easily work into the Uplay scheme. Game. Um, perhaps earn, you know, 50 Uplay points per purchase um, of an STD-riddled uh, sword, for example. So um, I think it could work quite well. Very good. Very, very good. We we also, uh, you, as you know, we're working on South Park, uh, Fractured uh, Bohrol. But uh, do you think integration, uh, crossover, crossover? Um, potentially, we would need to speak with the uh, with the creators of South Park on that one. Uh, I think it could work really well, although our game is going to be very serious. I mean, with a heavy metal soundtrack, um, it's it's. I mean, we're not poking fun here. This is a this is a serious game for serious polo fanatics. Uh, so mixing it in with South Park may not work, uh, but I'm open to it. You speak of music too, licensed licensed music. Um, the music is is going to be in house music. Um, we have commissioned uh, a heavy metal band from Upper Hut to play all of the the the, the metal. I do not know of this Upper Hut, but I I have a look look into it. Google Google it. It's um it's a it's kind of like the New Zealand uh, center for heavy metal. Very good. Very good. What to happen if poor teammate die? How d- they come back? New teammate? <laughs> it depends if you're playing online or if you're playing in the single player mode. If you're playing single player, um, you can use various kind of inoculations to bring them back to life. Uh, you know, um, shots of, of various kind of things that would cure those STDs that's that's been the cause and uh and we can and basically uh, bring them back to life that way online um they're out of the match good so uh I hope you guys can uh I'm really looking forward to hearing whether or not you guys are interested in actually uh you know taking this on board um but thank you very much for your time you're very welcome you are welcome in uh Montreal Paris uh Paris anytime 
Excellent. I'll uh, I'll be in touch. Thank you very much both for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so there you have it, lads. Heavy metal STD polo um, coming to the PlayStation Store soon. Good stuff. It looks like uh, yeah. No, the, those um, those guys have just taken off to grab their bus back into you know, <laughs> to to grab their plane to to take back off to their their um, corresponding <laughs> countries. So. No, that's really good. Uh, interesting, really. Interesting being a bystander to that. Yeah, yeah. Would, would you guys um, would you guys play that game? I personally, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of promise. Yeah, totally. I mean, a heavy metal soundtrack to um, random encountered polo games with weapons that are riddled with STDs sounds like a good time. Very much. I'm intrigued by the heavy metal soundtrack from the, the band from Upper Hutt. Uh, you know, probably some bands I could I could put you in touch with. Oh, great! Yeah, <laughs> cool. Uh, that sounds good. That's um, awesome, uh, Balthazar. I think you're next on on the uh, the old chopping block for the pitch me a dream. So if you want to sure. generate yourself a game, yeah, huh? I've got the side up here. I'll click generate now. Okay, oh, and my man. game title is Turbo Bandicoot Boy. Ooh. <laughs> all right all right there might be some infringement <laughs> yeah some might be infringement wow turbo bandicoot yeah. boy it's i mean it lends itself obviously to you know a platforming game yeah it, but that's a bit too obvious isn't it, it is a bit too obvious yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah i mean depending on your your artistic interpretation we could uh you know could be anything really what do you could early, be a vr experience thoughts? i'm to be honest i'm thinking a Racing game, oh. but not 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 your normal racing game. Not a you know, racing around a track against people. We're thinking more like uh, more like a demolition racing game. Oh yeah, twisted metal type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'm all for that. Probably a lot of uh, mascot esque characters in it, building yep. the player base. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Awesome, man. Well, Regan, uh, which which developer do you think would be best suited? for this to be, you know, pitched to. Uh, I am going to say... I'm going to go with my favourite because they've done some some random little niche stuff on the side sometimes. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Rockstar. Mm. Going to be Interesting. Rockstar okay. Yep. Okay. Um, I was thinking about the when you brought up racing, Balthazar, that, that made me think of racing devs. Now... It doesn't sound like a game Polyphony Digital would do, the guys who did Gran Turismo, but, um, you know, why not? I'll, I'll be Polyphony. Yeah, nice. Right. Nice. Cool. There we go. I'm looking forward to uh, yeah. hearing all about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll move into a few discussion topics uh, because there's been sweet bugger all that's happened in the news, to be honest. And we have these been building up over the weeks, a load of different discussion topics. So we've got to, got to start knocking them off because I'm dying to talk about some of these things. So one I really wanted to talk to you guys about, uh, since my, 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 you know, some would say battle with ukulele at points, uh, mechanics that need to die in a ditch, to put it bluntly. Mm. Mechanics that are archaic, uh, they don't add anything to games. In fact, they take away actively from games that are still knocking around. What, what, what are mechanics that you guys think just need to be removed from the vocabulary of developers? So... I'm going to, I think to be honest, I don't have any that I think no developers should be allowed to touch and are just mechanics that should never exist. Because I think yep. for almost every mechanic that you've played a hundred bad versions of, the instance in which it was first used, it was viable and valuable in that usage, typically. 
Um, right. You know, mechanics were created for a reason when they're initially incepted, and so I think I wouldn't want any to be gone for fear of something good being created in the future that uses them really well. But I'm going to interpret the question as, uh, as you know, what mechanics should people who have no experience with or knowledge of stop using? Um, <laughs> and for me, the big one as a Souls fan is losing all your experience and currency and shit when you die. Okay, that so isn't that kind that, of that's like... like a quite a big mechanic in the Souls and Bloodborne series? Yeah, isn't it? and I think no one other than those developers should be allowed to touch that mechanic because there have been so many it, to use. I mean, the genre now is called Souls-like. So many Souls-like fucking games coming out with that mechanic, and it just doesn't have a place in them. They don't incorporate it well, and it just feels like all it's doing is slowing your progress. It doesn't feel like it's a punishment for fucking up. It feels like it's a punishment for buying their game. Like, it's just... Neo is a recent example of a game that I enjoyed, but that mechanic had no place in it. Um, there was also Lords of the Fallen. Um, again, enjoyed that game. That mechanic was just a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was I played recently. There was a game I played where I had no idea why it was there. They used it as well, and it wasn't even like a, a Souls-like game. They just had, oh, if you die, you have to get back to your body to recover your stuff. I think it was items and equipment. If you die... Oh, Nier. Uh, Nier. Oh, Nier. What when I? you die, you yeah. lose your uh, chips. Like, you have a kind of chip set. Yeah. Um, that are basically your abilities, because, you know, you're an Android, so you install plug-in chips and everything. When you die, all your chips are on that Android body, because part one of the mechanics of the game is kind of your consciousness is uploaded into a new body and redispatched on the same mission. So to recover all your chips, you have to go back to your body and get them back again. That mechanic had no place in that game, to the extent that, not really spoilers, they get rid of the mechanic in the third act. So that if you die, you don't lose all your shit and have to go back to your body, you just get a game over screen and have to reload kind of thing like right. that mechanic like, i love that game to pieces but that mechanic for the first two acts had no place in that game mm. and it needs that mechanic needs to die in a ditch for anyone other than souls developers because <laughs> it's just did uh, god misused. of war and devil may cry have that as well no no, no? they didn't you kept everything you i mean oh. you lost anything you got from the last checkpoint kind of thing but that, those games were checkpoint games so you know you get up to the checkpoint if you die after the checkpoint you go back to the checkpoint and you still have what you had at that checkpoint but you don't keep anything you gained after the checkpoint interesting Regan, have you got got any thoughts on that or your own suggestion yeah i, I see that, that that's the thing I, I think you've made a fair point like i think that, that there is a place for those but it's it's only the kind of thing that would work well if if used in the right kind of scenario and there was a i guess a reason for it to be like that mm. yeah um, i'm just trying to think of my own example i'm sort of struggling a little bit um i'm just trying to th i think one thing that's kind of a i'm thinking about zelda because um that's kind of fresh on my brain is i, I don't I'm not necessarily sure that this this mechanic in general needs to die in a ditch, but um, it needs kind of careful use, and that is like weapon degradation and oh, yes. uh, you know and 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 that kind of thing in games, yeah. um, especially if they're just going to explode into a million pieces and 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 that's that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like for example, when The Witcher Three had this, but the your weapons would never really break; they would just. Uh, Oh, would they do slightly less I yeah think. they do less like, yeah even if they broke you could always repair them at the black like and they, they could were never be repaired, gone forever yeah. yeah and i think the the cost of repairing them was like okay um and i think that was 
all right but i think that that when you're using that mechanic you've got to be really careful about how you balance that with the rest of the game so unless if it's going to break that's fine obviously you've got to have a lot of new weapons coming along to restock which zelda does but it, to me it just gets a little bit annoying mm. um it's kind of the only part of that game that frustrates me even you know a little bit um it, it then, sort of removes the importance of any weapon really yeah, yeah and yeah essentially like and and i've had a few weapons where i'm like oh man this thing is the tits like this is this is great and then like and it seems like the the higher damage weapons have less durability and so they die a little bit quicker or maybe that's just because i use them more perhaps but throw um, it in an octorok what now if you throw a weapon that's damaged in an octorok it spits it back out with 100 percent durability again no way yeah well there you go is that just <laughs> is that just a bug nah it's intended it's a feature <laughs> oh, sweet yeah um that's good to know but yeah i don't know that that's one thing that i think like maybe doesn't need to be killed altogether but needs to be really carefully mm. thought about whenever it's used as as um item and weapon degradation because yeah i think yeah. like you used witch 3 as an example of where they used it but it did work really well because the whole you know massive part of that game was especially if you played it on the higher difficulties like death march was preparing for fights before you went into them yeah so removing yeah. you know the fact that your weapons could get weaker and you needed to maintain and upkeep those, that would, you know, that would have a negative effect on the whole preparing beforehand mm. and everything. So I think it had a really good place there. Yep. Um, but yeah, definitely I agree. In the earlier hours of Breath of the Wild, it was annoying me a lot. Yep. I'm not sure. I think you hit a point in the game where you start getting almost every weapon that drops has durability up plus 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 on it or whatever. Mm. And so they last fucking forever. Yep. Um, but yeah, definitely at the start, that mechanic needed to get out <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah apart okay. from the technical issues with their game that's that's pretty much the only complaint i've seen with breath of the wild is the is the weapon durability and how it how it sort of makes it, it removes the special nature of any weapon or, or a player bonding with a specific yeah. skill set or weapon type or anything yeah, like totally that. even the um even the the weapons that you get for doing like big things in the story mm. uh they're like hey i've got this really special gift for you and it's like a bow and then like 20 minutes later their bows smashed into a thousand pieces yeah. and it's yeah. like oh okay, that was that was super special to recraft you. any of the like dungeon no, ones because those yet. ones are great you go i'm thinking especially the garuda one um and you know their leader urbosa used that sword and shield for yeah. fucking years and they were the you know the height of craftsmanship and their thing and then you go back and you're like oh i need to recraft one and they're like what this thing was used for hundred years how did you a child break it and then you're like oh actually i need both they both broke and they're like, what? Like, they, just, they get so mad and it's like well maybe you should just make them better maybe. yeah yeah give me one with durability up up that'd be great um but yeah what about you Abe? any thoughts um yeah i've got a couple that spring to mind Specifically with ukulele recently, there was something that really frustrated me and, and was a sign of, of what I feel is, is bad or at least old game design where they block they block parts of the world or the levels off just completely artificially. They, they, you know, there's just a, a non-smashable thing in front of it and you're just like, oh, I can't go in this part yet. Uh, ukulele has the whole thing where you can you know, where you gather items and you can choose to use those items to expand a world or open a new world. So when you expand the world, those sections get unblocked. But when you see what is obviously another part of the level 
blocked off for no other reason than you don't have enough collectibles. It really takes you out of the game. Um, it breaks that immersion for you, and I found that really, really frustrating. Mm. That's, that's interesting as well, because, yeah, yeah it, like you said, it, it is a mechanic that's essentially gone from modern games, and it's almost only in ukulele because it was such a prime mechanic back in you know, the 90s and things like that. But at the same yeah. time, I can think of games in the 90s that did it really well. Like, we harp on a lot when it comes to old games about how great Conker's Bad Fur Day was. But that was another thing that Conker's did was it never felt artificial. Yes, part of the level was blocked off, but it was always, you know, a character blocking it off. Maybe it was, you know, a construction worker or something. And he was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not moving these rocks yet. I'm on my break. Fuck off, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And you'd go back later, and yeah, you go back later, and he would have, you know, gotten his ass into gear and, and cleared the path for you, kind of thing. And yes, it was still artificially blocked off until you'd done something else, but you didn't feel like it was just a nothing stopping your way until you did something. You felt like in this world there is a legitimate reason at the moment for this yeah. path being blocked off. And that's, that's yeah, not the, the logic to of do the either. world. Yeah, it's not, and that's 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 totally not difficult to do. Like I'm sure with like a rock fall that's blocking off a thing in, um, in ukulele. They could have just had a character standing there that goes, is standing there scratching his head going, oh, I just fell down. I've, I'm not quite sure how to clear it. Like, there you go. Yeah. Given there, it context. Definitely. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways to get around it kind of thing. And it did come across to me as a bit lazy. Like, I know, I know they didn't have much, too much time to do that, two years or something to develop this game. But it's, yeah, it, it, it comes across as, as a little bit, haphazard kind of thing when you um when you see something like that and, and it you just it just really takes you out of the game when you see something like that and you just think about you know why why is the what 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 internal logic is this using in the game to to block me from this from you know going down this passage or, or going proceeding into this part of the world and if you can't answer that question then i think that's bad game design in, mm. in, in my eyes kind of thing the witcher and, uh, you know, Dark Souls and things like that do it really well where if you stray into a part where you probably shouldn't be yet, you learn pretty quickly that you shouldn't be there because <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch just... of overpowered bloody things and you get absolutely decimated. Yeah, I remember early on playing The Witcher, finding like a, um, you know, I was like level six or seven or something and finding like a level 25 griffin just hanging out on a, on a like the, the edge of this bank and, and um, what's the opening place? Um not uh, White Orchard. Uh, uh, oh, the fuck is Velen? Yeah, Velen, that's the one. Oh, Velen, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and Velen, and uh, and just like dying and being like, well, clearly not to meant, meant to be like venturing down here, and it's like, yeah, yeah, and it doesn't feel cheap. It's like, okay, well, I've just, I've just gone too far. Like, you know? yeah, and and it comes back again to not not patronizing the player, which I think is incredibly important in gaming, um, wherein you can make your own decisions from that. You're like, oh. There's a level 25 griffin. I'm level two. I shouldn't be. Uh, there's no reason for me to be here. The the game is, is subtly guiding me in the fact that I'm just going to get, get destroyed by this overpowered enemy. It's guiding me back to where I should really go without saying, hey, go over here, please. You know, or there's a wall. You can't go here kind of thing. It's it's uh, yeah, that's something I I really do not like in games. Um, the only other one that I can think of off the top of my head is escort missions which aren't too common anymore, <laughs> yeah. but they really do my head in when they're yeah. done poorly. I was going like, to say fetch quests earlier, but then I was like, oh, it's a bit too obvious, but, oh, you know, a bit <laughs> obvious, but yeah, yeah I, I think you're right, man. Escort missions. Probably lump both together somewhat, but yeah, I, I mean, the, the only the only game that's done it well in the last five years is, 
I want to say The Last of Us, and but that's not even really an escort mission because Ellie can defend herself like really, really well. You don't have to look after her. And it does break immersion when, you know, her character goes in plain sight of enemies because she's glitched through a wall or something like that. Or um, and the enemies just don't even react to her kind of thing, because that would make the game obnoxious if they saw her and it wasn't your fault. Um, But Ellie can hold her own and she can take people out for you and stuff like that. And, you know, going back and playing games like I bought Eco and I bought Shadow of the Colossus on on PS2 uh, in the last year and going back and playing Eco, it's brutal. It's mm. so brutal having to, especially Eco, because that's the ultimate escort mission. The whole game's an escort mission. You're just holding the hand of this girl in circle to hold her hand and go and beat the enemies <laughs> with a stick and then go and grab her hand. And, oh, it sounds oh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I appreciate that game a lot more than I enjoy enjoy playing it. I never finished it, so that's probably testament to uh, how much I appreciated it. <laughs> there is. I am thinking of a um, an escort mission. Well, sort of an escort mission in um, in Zelda actually, where you're you're going after one of the divine beasts, and you've there's this like you're going after the, the what's the one called that's on the big on the volcano. Um, you're going after that one anyway, and you've kind of the salamander got, guy. Yeah, big old salamander. Um, oh yeah, that dude. And you've got to kind of care, yeah. like he follows you up the mountain, and you have to sort of like tell him when to stop and start to avoid these kind of drones seeing him. Um, but at the same time, like it's it all come back comes back to that idea of like if you're gonna do something, you have to there has to be like a reason within that game world to be doing it. Um, yeah, and that wasn't too bad because you sort of needed him to help you board this this beast sort of thing so like he was there for a reason it wasn't just like yeah. oh he was the bullet you put him in a cannon and shoot him yeah <laughs> yeah it's great <laughs> yeah um so yeah i think as long as there's context to these things it's it's permissible but uh yeah i don't know it's just when they're clunky i suppose eh? yeah when when they're just haphazardly thrown together i think is when it all falls apart um, obviously they, they could be used and skewered. Things like Nier Automata, I would imagine, would, would be able to, if they use the escort mission, um, you know, they'd be able to skewer that because it it's essentially a game making fun of things like that sort of to some extent. Mm. Um, from what I know, I haven't actually played it, but that, that's what I've... The, the various, you know, non-spoilery things I've read, it's sort of hinted at that, so that's what I assume is going on there. But um, any others that you guys can think of? You actually mentioned one a long time ago when we first okay. put this idea down on the discussion thing. And at the time, I was like, I actually can't think of any instances where I've had this. And then I replayed Shadow of Mordor. And it also has the insufferable instant fail if you're seen stealth missions. Oh, man. Yes. How could I forget? Yeah. That's... They, I can't. This is the exception that proves the rule. Um, that I said earlier of everything must have a good instance of when it was done. I can't think of it ever being done in a way that wasn't <laughs> obnoxious. Like, yeah. yeah, it's just ridiculous. E- even escort missions I can think of being done, you know, in a good way. But this one, it's not a mechanic. It's it's not a ge- mechanic. It's a game over screen. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's if you a... enter the line of sight of an enemy, game over instantly. Yeah, like, that's yeah. I yeah. Oh. I, I found that, yeah, most recently playing Assassin's Creed Black Flag, that, mm. that came back into the picture, and I, I just about lost today. I can't, I cannot stand that. If I'm seen, um, it should just be my own fault, and then I should have to deal with whatever happens, you know, waves of enemies, and maybe I can get out of it, maybe I can't. But insta-fail is, is yeah. 
super lazy game design. <laughs> I, th- I think that's it. It's lazy. Like I was thinking about it before, I was going to use the word lazy. Like it's just kind of like, oh, all right, cool. Okay, they didn't need to do the stealth mission. Stealth's fine in itself, but, um, you know, uh, we just can't be, we don't have time to build uh, like a, a consequence to it. We'll just yeah. start them from square one. But yeah. that's, that's one line of code. Ugh. It's just, it's, mm. yeah. It's and it lazy. wasn't even like in Shadow of Mordor, they tried to do the whole make it make sense in universe um where the whole mission the mission was you had to spike all the grog in a in a town in a orc encampment um and if they saw you then you fail because they would know you know that their grog had been spiked that would make sense to me if you got the game over screen if they saw you while you were in the act of poisoning a barrel but it's just if they just see you walking around the camp. Now, these are orcs. They're fucking idiots. They're not going to catch you walking around the camp and be like, oh, better throw out all these barrels of grog. He's probably spiked them. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, they're orcs. They'd just be like, oh, the ranger's snooping around. Better kill him. Oh, he got away. Oh, well, let's go drink some grog. Right, you it's that too, right? Like, you, you're always in confrontations with, with yeah. enemies in that game. So why is it any different mm. during that mission? Yeah. Um, why couldn't they just throw every enemy in that area at you? At and, once, yeah. yeah. You know? I guess I guess because if you killed everyone, you'd be poisoning the grog of an empty camp. But uh, you know. Yeah, it's it was just yeah, it didn't make sense. It was unnecessary. Just remove the whole poisoning mechanic if you can't really make it work anyway, because that's the only time I ever used it. That and getting a trophy. <laughs> <laughs> the um the 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 worst instance I can think of of the the automatic fail in stealth um, missions is a PlayStation Two game I played back in the day called Shadow of Rome, um, which was really really good for the sections that didn't involve stealth so it was a it was a sort of a hybrid of gladiatorial matches and just insta fail stealth sections um and i rented it out with a friend and we used to have fights over who got to do the gladiatorial ones because the insta fail stealth was just it was was so frustrating it was and you you just felt like you had to you know force your way through it to get to the really good fun stuff um, like the gladiatorial matches, you could cut off someone's arm and beat them with it. That is, that's awesome. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> it's I'd really fight cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you'd have to go through this horrible, elongated stealth section with no checkpoints. That you know, if you did one wrong thing, you'd have to go back to the start, and it just made you want to tear your face off. Those are like really weird mechanics to have decided on. Eh? Like, okay, cool, we're gonna have this awesome fighting mechanic, and it's gonna be the shit with like dismemberable limbs and things like that and then stealth like those are so, <laughs> so far contrasting away from one another. yeah <laughs> jarring tonal shift like yeah. between those two things bizarre but anyway <laughs> there you go there's a few that can die in a ditch for sure yeah yeah absolutely I, I think i think that's probably all we've got time for in terms of discussions uh we'll move on to the final section of the podcast which as always is a top 10 from someone's list and this week it is me uh so i'm going to talk about i hinted at it earlier in the podcast portal 2 which is probably my favorite puzzle game i i think if i if i had to you know really sit down and think about it um portal 2 is is essentially a perfect game to me have you got either of you guys played this yes no but i have it on my hard drive at home so i should right yes it's always about three bucks on steam now so you know definitely pick it up um it's just this wonderful amalgamation of pitch black humor really really simple mechanics really good storytelling um you know really good player direction and and incentive to play through the game really excellent voice acting as well 
um, from people like Stephen Merchant and J.K. Simmons, uh, who play Wheatley, the sort of um, robot that you meet at the start of the game. And J.K. Simmons is, is sort of the, I suppose he's the mastermind behind the dilapidated factory, the the, the portal technology and the, and the factory that you're running through in Portal 2. So Portal 1 was a, was pretty much an experiment by Valve released with the orange box in, I think it was 2007. I don't believe uh, it along was made Half-Life, by Valve. Half-Life 2. Was it? What was it? I don't believe it was made by Valve, was it? Portal 1 was Valve. Uh, it was a bunch of kids made it, like a bunch of school kids made it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, it was. It, it was, and, um, yeah. the idea came from a game called Narbacula Drop, um, yeah, which a bunch of, a bunch of, coll- uh, you know, uni tech kids made, and, and Valve sort of hired them all to make this game. Mm. But on paper, it's developed by Valve because these they hired these kids, so it's sort of Valve's game kind of thing. Yeah, but no, sure. you're, you're absolutely right. The idea didn't come from Valve um, to start with. But it was an experiment um, in terms of the, the gameplay and, and Valve putting it out. It wasn't a Counter-Strike. It wasn't a, a Half-Life. Um, you know, it, was, it wasn't an iteration to one of their previous series. And it was just sort of a very simple, uh, you know, you have one, one orange portal, one blue portal. You can go through wherever... The, the blue portal's placed and wherever the orange portal's placed to create a um you know a wormhole for you to go through and you'll appear through the other one really really interesting easy to understand mechanic but the game also had a story sort of buried in there you didn't have to look for it too hard but uh there, there were snippets of a, of a really interesting you know conspiracy theory kind of technology gone awry story in there and portal 2 just expands on that like a motherfucker it just you know, takes all that stuff and builds on it and builds characters into the story and you team up with, you know, there's unlikely allies from from people from the previous game and things like that. Um, I, yeah, what, I just really love the, the sense of humour in this game. Eh? It's just incredibly dark. Um, they give personality to inanimate objects and then, you know, you have to watch them perish and it's sort of like, uh, yeah, I don't, it reminds me a lot of British sensibilities in terms of, Guy Ritchie, Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, that sort of dry, quick-witted yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of that. But, uh, yeah, I just... Every time I play through this game, I must have played through it about five times by now. I just I just have a blast, and I just love the innovation with the portal gun. And in Portal 2, they introduce things like um, a, a bouncing or different gels that you can use. So one gel will make you go really fast if you slide through it. One gel will make whatever touches it bounce around, so you have to sort of incorporate that that sort of works within the portal mechanics as well so you get something to bounce through a portal and then land on a switch and all that sort of stuff mm. so it's it's pretty much what i love it's it's puzzles but there's a really really good through line and a really good story um all the way you know all the way through the what eight to ten hour game game time as well nice. oh so it's not super long um no is it is do we know are there any rumors of there being another like a follow-up to it or no there, there's nothing i the way the way it sort of ends, I don't. If I was to place my bets, I would say there was there isn't going to be a Portal Three. Mm. Have you played um, any of just, the add-on, like the kind of the free workshop things that are alternate stories and stuff like that, set in the Portal universe? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's definitely not out of the out of the question. Um, it just seems Portal Two came out in two thousand eleven, so that was a long yeah, time yeah, ago. That is a while ago, yeah. Mm. So and and Valve, uh, you know notorious for essentially not listening to anyone but themselves which is the best best thing to do to be honest. notorious for twos and then like, no, oh, no threes allowed. yeah we're not going to make half-life 3 we're going to do episodic instead 
and we're going to do three episodes. Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Half-Life 2 Episode 2. Stopped there. Like, they've <laughs> never made a three. Yep, leaving <laughs> everyone with the biggest blue balls in gaming history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, re- I adore Portal 2, and I'm thinking about playing it again now, actually, because I, I haven't played it in a while, and I love mm. it so much. But um, highly recommend anyone who hasn't played that. Play Portal 1, because that's like two hours or something. Very, very short game. Then play Portal 2, and um, I can pretty much guarantee you'll have a blast. And also, if you have the opportunity, play Portal 2 in VR, because GLaDOS is fucking terrifying. Just the sheer scale, the <laughs> Does size. Does Portal 2 have VR support? Uh, yeah, you can mod it in. It's not. I don't think it's uh, like locally there, but it is a workshop item you can just grab for free. Um, oh, cool. And yeah, the first time you see GLaDOS in 2 in VR, the scale is just immense. Like, it's genuinely frightening. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, that's um, that's my top ten for this week. Uh, I think that's about us for the for the podcast. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we before we head off? No, I don't think so. I think it's been a uh, it's it's a isn't it a weird space at the moment? Like, mm. I, I, there's nothing coming out that's really grabbing me. Like, I, you guys just I'm kind of hanging out. Waiting for, for end of June. That's it. Yeah. Here, Stormblood. Is like the next thing on my list that I actually care about, really. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I've like got, we're in a I've bit got of a lot. Prey. Prey's, Prey's kind of on the brain for me, and I'm still Persona Five is always on the brain now because I once I found out what it was, I was like, that's really freaking cool. Like mm. just the just the basic premise of it, I didn't even know. And once I kind of figured out what that was, it is a bit it's esoteric. Um, yeah, I, I kind of want to play a JRPG now. So wow, <laughs> there could, you go. That could be a game changer for you, Abe. You know, it could be. It mm. could be. You you might see me delving into like really bizarre, you know, um, indie JRPGs after this or something yeah, like totally. that. Your amiibo collection will treble in size. <laughs> Skyrocket. Yeah. But uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. As per usual, we can be found on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all the all the usual places. And we try to broadcast a um, a stream every Friday night from eight to ten PM New Zealand time on twitch.tv forward slash overcast gamer. And we do the podcast every, usually every two weeks, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more, depending on what's going on in life. But uh, yeah, thank you again for listening. And we will see you guys again in a week and a bit. Catch you later. Ciao. See ya.